Today we'll be following police detective Charlie Foster. He'll be wearing the latest in state-of-the-art technology. Makes me feel like singing. A pirate's life is a wonderful life, a rover over the sea. Of course, this is a much more appropriate mood for your scene. It gives the proper air of foreboding. For what? Sorry, folks, we gotta go. Chris, can you grab my blacklist, Paul? the peaceful countryside. What more romantic way to enjoy it than with that infallible combination of W, w Radio Your Information Station Hello and welcome to the WDW Radio Show Your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host Lou Mangiello and this is show number 209 for the week of February 13th, 2011. I'll open up the inbox this week and answer many of your listener emails. Questions include reasons to stay at a Walt Disney World Resort, transferring park tickets, a look back at the Moonlight Cruise, visiting the parks before or after a Disney cruise, dive quest at the Living Seas, Wi-Fi at the Disney Resorts, multiple rooms versus getting a villa, dining plan credits, and questions for you about that mysterious island in the middle of Bay Lake. I'll have a few announcements, including more details about upcoming meets of the month in Walt Disney World. I'll then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. the things that immediately drew me to podcasting back in early 2005 was the ability to share something you're passionate about in a completely new and radically different way. And while I always hoped that while listening, you feel as though you're, you're sitting alongside some friends in a booth at a diner just talking about Disney World, I always wanted this to be a two-way conversation and make it as interactive as possible. And some of you have written in over the years and joined me on the show on segments or topics that you suggested. I've called some people to play trivia games, and every week I ask you to send in the questions that you might have so that we could answer them on the show. I asked, you responded, and we now have a ton of questions about everything from vacation planning to Disney history, trivia, advice, tips, lots more to get to this week and in future weeks as well. And if you have a question you want answered on the show, remember you could email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Or if you want to be heard on the air, you could always call the voicemail toll-free at 888-703-2171. I mentioned vacation planning. And when you hear that, hopefully you think of my next guest, Samantha Brown. No, you should be thinking about using a Disney travel agent and hopefully my friend and yours and personal travel provider, Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Becky, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. You know, we just never get to talk anymore. It's been <laughs> quite know, a while. <laughs> if people who've been paying attention to the 
Twitter world, the Facebook, you know, universe, the show, the broadcast, everything else, they would realize that you and I are spending more time together over the past few weeks than we have with our respective spouses. And how I cannot tell you how true that actually is, even though we're 2,500 miles apart right now. It's it's just like you're sitting here beside me again. I know, you know, kind, kind of missing you. It's, it's just been way too long. So. Hey, listen, in two weeks, we'll be back on the Disney Dream so um, we can share a hug and uh, and a dance at Evolution. But listen, we've got, <laughs> we do. It's been way too long since we've gotten to the emails. We have Walk a back. ton mm-hmm. in, the, in the inbox that we've got to get through. Let's uh, let's just start rolling and see how many we can get through on this week's show. Go for it. First one comes from Margaret, all the way over in Belfast, Ireland. And she says, hello, Lou. I'm not going to try and do an Irish accent here. She says, my name is Margaret. I've been listening to your podcast for just about a year now since I found out I was going to Walt Disney World. I first of all need to thank you because without your help and advice, particularly with the restaurants, I'd still be guiding my parents through Orlando Airport. My question to you may seem easy, but I need a lot of help convincing my parents to stay in a Walt Disney World resort. Normally, my family and I stay in a villa or hotel near the resorts. This year, we stayed near Wet and Wild. It was okay until we realized we spent most of our time in the Disney parks, as you should have, Margaret. I just wanted to know, what are the perks of staying at a Walt Disney World resort hotel which one is generally the best for getting to the parks, as they generally spend most of their day in the parks? And is there any accessibility to any of the other parks in Orlando, such as my parents are put <laughs> off because they believe that staying in a Disney resort means we can only go to Disney parks? Please help me, says Margaret. So, Becky, let's break it down. She wants to know first the perks. And boy, we could do an entire show about just yeah. some of the perks of staying Uh, on property. Yeah, we certainly could. Uh, First and foremost is that the time, because your vacation time is pretty valuable. So if you find that you're spending most of the time in the Disney parks, then it would uh, be logical to stay near the parks. You could spend more time there, right? Absolutely. Instead of in in transit going back and forth. Right, because I I think people say, oh, it's okay, we're staying at a place off property. It's only five miles away. In, In real world time, by the time you get in your car or get your cab or get your shuttle bus and go back mm-hmm. and forth, getting to the park is going to, you know, you're going to take possibly an hour or more each way out of your day. And if you're there for just a couple of days, that's a significant amount of time. Absolutely. And there's there's several resorts uh, off property that do have shuttles that go back and forth, but they might show up every 20 minutes or every hour to take you back and forth. So you really could spend a significant amount of your time in transit. I'm look. I'm with Margaret. Time not spent in the yeah. parks, unless it's in a restaurant, is time wasted. So yeah, exactly. So I think that one's a pretty easy one on on the time. But there's other things as well. Like if you really enjoy the Disney experience, the resorts themselves are are magical. They're themed, and you get that cast member experience. So another benefit of being on property is getting the Disney difference, right? You get the Disney difference. You've got Magical Express and Margaret. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was you didn't specify why you would stay maybe at a villa or or hotel. Uh, I know sometimes people from overseas, Becky, stay for an extended amount because it is quite a hike over from Ireland. It's not like a two-hour flight from New Jersey. Um, but for a lot of people, they talk about budget. And they say, well, it it's obviously has to be cheaper to stay off property. And that obviously hasn't been the case for a long time. 
Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, you've, you've got other benefits too, like um, the Magical Express transportation that you just mentioned. Of course, that would factor in there. A lot of those other resorts that are off property also have parking fees. So if you're talking about renting a car, there would be money involved there if you're talking about the money. But I would say that one of my favorite benefits of staying on property is the extra magic hours, being able to show your room key and enjoying the parks either before or after when they have extra magic hours at the the different theme parks. I think that's one of the best benefits that they have. I think you hit it on the head before because I think it, it is about the Disney experience. You know, the convenience is great and everything else, but even that time that you're not spent in the parks, there is something about being at a Disney resort Mm-hmm. That really uh, you lose. I think you lose a great deal of it by being at a hotel or a villa uh, off property to a certain degree. Now, certainly there are instances where it may make a lot more sense to get a vacation home. If you're going to be there for three weeks and you've got mm-hmm. 17 people, that might be the the best way to go. But if it's just, you know, your family of four and you want to get that full experience, you're spending your time in the Disney parks uh, there are. There's very few reasons I could think of almost not to stay at a Disney resort. Yeah, a couple of those are convenience factors as well, like the room key charging so you don't have to, to run around with cash. Uh, there's also the resort delivery of purchases so that you find yourselves in the parks. You find something that, that you just have to have. You can have it delivered to the resort and you can pick it up in the, the convenience store. Uh, there's just a lot of, of time savings and benefit savings. And, and as you said, there are some reasons and there's some some clients and some guests who will – uh, have a better experience if they do stay off property for whatever their need is. But for this particular situation where they spend more time in Disney parks than they do elsewhere, it just makes a lot of sense. And the second part of a question is about which is generally the best for getting to the parks. And that's the other big factor is some resorts, many resorts, you don't even have to get into a bus, a car, whatever it is. You can literally walk from the beach club or the boardwalk or even the Swan and Dolphin to the studios or Epcot. If you stay on the monorail loop, you can walk or take the monorail. Uh, if, you, you know, if you're at the Contemporary or uh, at the Polynesian, Grand Florida, you can take a boat from Wilderness Lodge. So right. it's very convenient. It's all encompassing as part of that experience. You don't really specify what parks you s- spend most of your time at, but I would definitely try and stay in the Epcot Resort area or on the monorail loop for the easiest access to the most amount of parks. Obviously, you're going to have to take some sort of transportation in order to get over to Disney's Animal Kingdom, no matter where you're staying. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. As, as well you should. <laughs> <laughs> so, There's and nothing more as, I can add on that one. And listen, Margaret, as far as getting to other parks in Orlando, really, why waste your time? There is so oh. much to see and do in Walt Disney World. Um, no, I got to step in on that just, one really listen, quickly. So all, all, of the, all of the Disney resorts, I'm not going to even let you talk. All of the <laughs> Disney resorts will offer you basically the same options, which is you can get a cab uh, from your resort. You can get a cab from downtown Disney. Take it out outside the bubble to one of those other theme parks uh, if you want to spend some time there. But, uh, you know, eventually you come back home. You come there back is, home when you stay on there property. There is an easy way, though, to get over to Universal. Just, just saying. Okay, you let's can, move on, Muggle. All right. The next there. question. <laughs> Go ahead. So she, so she, because, no, it is important. Some people do want to so, travel yeah. outside to other theme parks. I mean, Go ahead. We, the, you got a minute and a half. The universal word has, you know, a little bit of weight to it with, you know, some people who really like rides that scare the Jesus out of you like me, except for 
spiders, but we'll go into that later. Universal actually offers a shuttle and ticket package where you can get uh, the tickets for the day and shuttle transportation back and forth from any Disney resort. So they offer that package. It's easy to get. It's it's pretty convenient and it's uh, it's very reasonable in price. Great. Moving on. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a debate for later. The question (laughs) comes from our good friend, Michaela Brookover, who says, hey, Lou, uh, my mom and dad bought a 10-day no-expiration park hopper for her brother. He used only five days of it. On our next trip, he's not going to be joining us, so they were wondering if she can use the last five days on his ticket instead of buying her a new one. Ticket questions. <laughs> well, if he used it, that means that his finger scan is on that ticket, right? Right. Yeah, that prevents you from selling it or sharing it. That's kind of the reason for the biometric finger scan, I do believe. <laughs> Only one p- person can use that ticket. I, I've heard that some people have taken unused tickets to guest services to try to get the value out of it, but I, it's technically and... High roadish, his ticket. Right, and I believe the ticket says it is. It's a non-transferable ticket. Um, you, you know, if you want to try and use a ticket, that is completely up to you. That is neither recommended nor endorsed by Lou Mangello, WW Radio, or I mean, Mouse Fan Travel. But it, it is supposed to be your brother's ticket. Um, you know, for him to use, and they and when when he puts his finger on, they're not sort of taking an imprint or his fingerprint. It's really more of the dimensions of his finger and things like that. Um, but it is to try and prevent other people from using that ticket. So technically, quote unquote, Michaela, it's your brother's ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving, Moving on, on <laughs> to Lafayette, Louisiana and Todd Bro. And I love calling him Todd Bro, even though it's spelled B-R-E-A-U-X. Lou, I have a question for you. Another ticket question. He found old ticket stubs from Walt Disney to Walt Disney World. When he was a kid and came across a ticket stub for something called the Moonlight Cruise. I don't remember exactly what it was since I was five, maybe six years old at the time. Can you explain the cruise in more detail and what it was? Thank you. So, Todd, bro, yeah, this is going way back and we're sort of going to give away about how old you were. Because back in the early 70s, we're looking back to maybe around April of 1972, and I'll actually quote from the Walt Disney World News, which was a, not really, it was, it was a newspaper, almost kind of like a magazine, and it talked about how you can cruise on a luxury yacht or steamer, and what it was was you could take an evening cruise on a steam-powered paddle wheeler from, they talked about both resort hotel marinas, which would have been at the time the Contemporary and Polynesian, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday nights at 9 or 9.45, It was an hour and a half of leisurely cruising, live entertainment, cocktails, and a little bit more. Adults had to pay the whopping price, Becky, in $1972 of $3. Oh, no way. Kids under 12 (laughs) could go for just a dollar. Wow. But yeah, they had uh, hostesses and costumes and Dixieland bands on there. Again, adults could get uh, adult beverages um you could also go out from fort wilderness as well i think later on they added fort wilderness on so uh, imagine taking sort of a a nice leisurely moonlit cruise uh on bay lake or or seven seas lagoon but with 
entertainment on board. I mean, now you can do it. You can take a Wishes cruise. You can take out the Grand One. But this was on really an old-style sort of real steam-powered paddle wheeler. And I'll, I think I have a, a ticket, um, a leftover ticket from 72 or 73 that I'll try and see if I can scan in and put in this week's show notes as well. Wow. Who knew? I, I, I had no idea that that existed. I've learned something today. We, uh, you know, I, and I miss a lot of those types of experiences. We talked about the old Chinese junk that used to be docked over at the Polynesian. It, and it was a real Chinese junk that you could go out and take, again, sort of an evening cruise and it had food and entertainment and, and adult beverages and whatnot. Uh, you know, obviously very well themed towards the Polynesian. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of those things just don't exist anymore. Alrighty then. <laughs> I honestly had no idea. That's those types of things from the early seventies. I, I I didn't get to go until I was. And it, well, actually, I won't say my age at the time, but it was in the mid nineteen nineties. My first um, visit to Walt Disney World. So all of this are experiences that I'm kind of sad that I missed. Yeah. Again, I'm gonna try and I'll, I know I did an article about the the, um, the East Wind, which was a Chinese junk. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Let's move on into something that uh, is a little bit more current and a little more up to Becky's speed, and that's Camp Mini Mickey. The Monica and Jerry Frankson, Frankenstein, Frankson from Clovis, California said, Lou, last year our family learned that Camp Mini Mickey opens one hour after Animal Kingdom opening. During our trip, the park opened at 9 a.m., so we arrived at the character trails at 10 a.m., and we were able to take photos with each of the characters in no time. Our family's planning a trip, and our Animal Kingdom day has early extra magic hours and opens at 8 a.m. Do you know if Camp Mini Mickey opens at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. with the early extra magic hours? We want to get there right as it opens, so the queues are short. Monica and Jerry, that is a great question. It's an even a better tip, especially for those people that have kids or are adults and want to go out and get character autographs done early or get them out of the way without having to spend a lot of time in line. And Monica and Jerry, uh, we are, I am going to give you, we are going to give you uh, the uh, the official answer, which is basically, we don't know. And the official answer really from Disney says, you need to check the times guide for the hours when the characters are going to be on the Camp Mini Mickey greeting trails. So my assumption, Becky, is that that may change. Uh, it may not always be the same. So I don't want to tell you to get there at nine o'clock and then they won't show up for an hour or to get there at 10 and then a line has already formed. Yeah, that's pretty good advice because these types of things do have a tendency to change up on us. And you might want to check with the concierge at the hotel uh, the, the day before to see if um, uh, what the, the schedule is going to be for the particular day that you're visiting. Right. And as soon as you get there, look, as soon as you get there at eight o'clock, you can go over to guest services or ask a cast member and they'll certainly know exactly when the when the characters will be there. And if you need to, you head right over. Otherwise, you have a little bit of time to kill uh, before heading over to Camp Mini Mickey. But a great point, too, about um, about getting character autographs. The next question comes all the way from Portland, Oregon. And it's from Jeff and Shannon. It says, hey, Lou, we write to you in eager anticipation of the WDW Radio Cruise in February 2011. We decided to make the cruise a family gathering with, get this, Becky Mankin, Nine individuals ranging from 32 to 72 booked for the event. Take that, people who say Disney cruises are just for kids. (laughs) Kids ages 32 to 72. I love it. So they are organizing a seven. God, I like these people. 
a seven-day, eight-night pre- or post-cruise adventure in the parks. However, we're struggling with which would be a better fit for our group. On the pro side of going to the parks after the cruise, there are birthdays in our party on the 9th and 10th of March, which could be celebrated in the parks. Also, we have an avid gardener in our ranks who's never been to the Epcot Flower and Garden Festival, which will have just begun following our return from sea. That being said, we're decidedly closer in age to Scrooge McDuck than Huey, Dewey, and Louie. We're thinking that the rest and relaxation the cruise would afford us after going to the parks could just be what the mouse ordered. Are there any other advantages, disadvantages in going to the parks before or after a cruise, which we should be considering? Do you have a personal preference? And aren't these the kind of problems you just love having? Absolutely, Jeff and Shannon. Uh, that is a great question. I cannot wait to meet you and all nine of you uh, on the Disney Dream. I actually, and, and Becky, we, we've yeah. talked about this before, uh, and, and I want to bring up, and this is sort of going to gauge my answer specifically for you and sort of my own personal opinion. First of all, I think in your case, you make an, you are making a great argument for going to the parks afterwards for the birthdays, flower and garden festival, something special to experience afterwards. The thing that, that I feel is that, and I think a lot of people, it depends on how you vacation right. and how you cruise. So if you look on the WDW Radio Cruise page, I've posted navigators from the inaugural cruise, which was really sort of the first, the maiden voyage where there were real guests on board. And you can see there is a ton going on all day and night, every day. So if you want to have a very active cruise vacation, you can do that. If you are the kind of person that wants to get your book or your Kindle, whatever it might be, sit up on deck and just relax, you can do that as well. I actually think, Becky, that sometimes the cruise is relaxing and because it's a new ship, because there's so much going on, because you're running around a lot, you almost sometimes could make an argument that Walt Disney World could be the break after the cruise, wandering through Flower and Garden Festival, just sort of taking it easy enjoying some time at your resort, eating multiple times throughout the day <laughs> and evening, and sort of making the Walt Disney World portion, especially since you're there for eight nights, the wind down from the excitement of the cruise. Right. And th this particular family does have great points, and you've already made them, that the Flower and Garden Festivals afterwards or somebody who would really have interest in that. Um, th this question comes up a lot, and it did come up, in chat recently and you and I had different answers, but it was for our personal preferences. So it comes right back to that point you made that it comes down to how you cruise like you and evolution or how you do the park commando or not. It depends on what is going to be in terms of relaxing to you as opposed to, uh, what the thing is, is going to make you go like mad to enjoy. So I personally, prefer to have the cruise afterwards because in the parks I feel like I'm running around and I'm uh, going from ride to ride and I'm you know experiencing the park adventure I get on a cruise and my uh, sense of relaxation is to relax on the deck to 
visit with my friends in some of the lounges to have relaxing, wonderful six hour meals. Okay. What was it? <laughs> Four hour meals at Remy, but um, <laughs> those, that's the way that I cruise. So that's how I perceive it where the parks would be first, the cruise would be second. So it really does matter how you spend your vacation at both the locations to see if it's going to make sense doing cruise first or cruise second. Yeah. I think too, because we're talking about the Disney dream, we don't know if they're first-time cruisers or not. True. Uh, I think that because it's the dream, it's a new ship. There's so much to, to see. Look, you know how much you can do if mm-hmm. you want. Things that are on the Navigator, things that aren't on the Navigator. You know, things like the Midship Detective Agency isn't on there, but it's something that could take up a lot of your time. Right. Spending you your entire same... evening in the district isn't on there as well, but that's where you spend a lot of your time. So, But again, you have the same situation on land because you have some people who are going to slowly walk through Epcot and kind of enjoy and relax and, and, uh, and enjoy the parks and the atmosphere. And then you're going to have other people like me or others who I've seen their spreadsheets <laughs> that go from day to day to day and hour to hour to an hour to, to hit every single thing you possibly can. So, again, it just depends on how. However, you do counselor. It. They are talking about an eight-night stay in Walt Disney World mm-hmm. as opposed to just a four-day and four is sort of – it's more like three and a half on the dream. So true. So you're limited in your amount of time on the dream, which means you want to try and cram it as much as possible where you have an eight-night stay in Walt Disney World that gives you more possible relaxation time. The defense rests. And l- <laughs> Unless – you are camping out in Palo for four straight days. <laughs> <laughs> and Not you know, everybody from, rolls like Becky Mankin. So. <laughs> from Palo, you know, you just kind of go upstairs, you hang out in the sun, you come back downstairs, you eat more. I mean, <laughs> again, totally depends on how you spend your vacation. I can't wait, mate, wait to meet Jeff and Shannon and their family oh, this is and, be and find out what they did too. So. Yes, exactly. And then to find out how it's going to work out and for them. join them for dinner somewhere. There you go. Moving on from the colony in Texas. That's got an eerie Orwellian sound to it, but it's Katie. And she sent her email from the official and free WDW Radio iPhone app. And Katie says, Lou, my fiance and I are going to Disney World and want to scuba dive in the living seas. We are going to be obtaining our scuba certification next month. Have you ever done this? What does it entail? How much is it? What are the requirements? Is equipment rental included in the price? And also... Do they have poo-size wetsuits available to rent? <laughs> Love the question. We are very much looking forward to this adventure. We visited Walt Disney World countless times, but never done this. Thanks for all you do. Love listening to the podcast each week. Again, that's Katie from Texas. Katie, that is a, a great question. Um, I personally have never done this tour. This is one of Disney's many backstage and front of stage tours. Uh, It is something that I wish I would have done. I actually took scuba lessons when I was just a wee lad. Becky, me and my dad did it. Unfortunately, never did my open water dive. So I did never get, I never got certified. And yes, you do have to have your scuba certification for what is called Epcot Dive Quest. This place takes place Two times a day, beginning at 4.30 and 5.30. It is a three-hour tour. Easy joke there. Uh, That runs at $186 (laughs) per person. There are discounts for annual pass holders, DVC, military, AAA, Disney Visa, etc. It is for people who are ages 10 years over, 10 years of age and older. And it's a great tour. Again, I have friends who've done it. 
uh, father son uh, many times because they've loved it. It again, it's three hours. You start off backstage, you get a behind the scenes look at the Living Seas, and then you do a forty minute dive right in the Living Seas tank. So you're there with the fish and the turtles and peach and sharks and like sixty <laughs> some odd other species of marine life. Uh, if the younger guests, they have to have their junior scuba certification. Um, adults, when you do come, you have to make sure you bring your proof of it. All equipment is provided. That includes your fins, your tanks, your buoyancy compensator, weight belt, mask, and a shorty wetsuit. They said you can bring your own mask. There's also changing rooms, showers. Obviously, you have to bring your uh, own bathing suit. Uh, I would call ahead when you call 407-WDW-TOUR to find out what size wetsuits they can accommodate. A couple things you should keep in mind. You cannot bring your own camera or videotapes, but from what I understand, they will, uh, I think they still do this. I think they still offer the ability to get a DVD. You can purchase a video of your dive for probably $25, $35, somewhere around there. Um, Park admissions required. Um, Expectant mothers cannot participate. That leaves you out, me out. And what else? Um, Again, it's one of those things, Becky, that I've heard nothing but phenomenal reviews about. Uh, Again, to find out more, you can call 407-WDW-TOUR. This is one of those examples of things that happen at Walt Disney World that a lot of people don't realize is available to them. There's so many, as you mentioned, a lot of the backstage tours, front of house tours, different experiences besides just going into the the parks and riding the rides or or going to the attractions. And this is a great example of that. They have so many to choose from. So if if anyone uh, that's listening has never really looked at the list of tours that are available, I highly encourage it because there's something for everybody. Yeah, and this is something that I've been asked to, and I really want to cover more in depth on the show. Research. Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk about the tours in general. I also want to talk about the tours specifically because, like you said, there is something for everybody and for most age ranges as well. So if you're interested in the history and looking backstage, Backstage Magic is an epic seven-hour tour. There's Behind the Seeds, the Steam Trains, Family Magic, a bunch of different ones in um so if you're interested in the living seas there's the um the seas aqua tour there's mm-hmm. dolphins in depth you can also take the behind the seeds tour over at the land uh keys to the kingdom segway tours wild africa trek which i'm a huge fan of love wild africa trek um yuletide fantasies there's wilderness again can, we'll, can, um, can we make a can, can we make a, a deal a no, oh. a deal, <laughs> okay. a deal. Uh, you, you can you can do the whole dive thingy because the whole shark thing. Since since I saw Jaws as a kid, it kind of ruined the whole thing for me. I'll do the spa tour. Can I take the spa tour? <laughs> I think my wife has dibs on the spa tour. I'll go with her. You don't it, want her to be alone. Listen, right? but just imagine being able to get into the tank in the Living Seas and swim amongst it. Nemo's there and Dory. Okay. It's well, I'll, I'll watch. I, I will watch and I'll I'll wave at you. But how about this? Why don't we pick a tour? on one of the next trips that we're down and do it and review it. I love it. All I right. love it. We'll do it. it it's a date. <coughs> Backstage magic on you. Um, <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, Katie, uh, let me know if you guys decide to do it, and I would love to hear your thoughts after you guys participate. Damon has the next question, Becky, and he says, Lou, I just listened to your podcast for the first time today and enjoyed it. 
My question for you is this. It's simple and not about food, Becky. Do Disney resorts offer wireless internet? And if so, which ones? And that's, again, from Damon. Right. Well, there's good news and there's bad news. (laughs) As Um, always. (laughs) With this, yeah. There are some resorts that have wireless internet, but they are usually mainly the convention resorts, and they're only in certain areas like the main lobbies, the concierge lounges, the um, uh, the convention center lobbies, some of the convention floor areas, but no resorts, uh, the Walt Disney resorts, of the Disney resorts anyway, have wireless internet in the rooms, except for one. That has wireless internet in the rooms? Yeah, there's, there's one room with wireless internet in it. Can I tell you what it is? <laughs> it's my room, would, isn't it? It's <laughs> No, that would be the castle suite. Oh, show off. <laughs> I had to had to just you know make sure that that was included. The castle suite we found that very um, ironic because the castle suite was the only room that I've that I know of that has wireless internet. Well, Damon, for the rest of us peons that can't get to stay in the castle suite, um, Becky's right. You're looking at places like Beach Club, Boardwalk, Contemporary, Coronado Springs, Grand Floridian, Yacht and Beach Club. Um, there is actually one restaurant that has Wi-Fi. Hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, this could be a trivia question. Ooh. But it's not going to be because I'm going to give it away. It's the Sand Trap Bar and Grill. Now, there ah, is yes. one other location, too. Um, and it's somewhat of an odd choice if you think about it. But if you go over to the wide world of sports, there is Wi-Fi there as well. Ah. Now, I know that for a while I haven't tested this. The wireless internet it there was open. It was a free open Wi-Fi system. I'm not sure if that's the case or not. Uh, everywhere else, it's about $4.99 for the first 60 minutes or, like everything else, nine ninety five for 24 contiguous hours. If you right. need Wi-Fi, but if you're not staying at one of those resorts or you don't want to go to some of the convention areas, a lot of the lobbies, you can pick up the Wi-Fi, like a beach club, boardwalk. You can also go to, believe it or not, Storm Along Bay. Not that you That's should be bringing. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Many of the pools right. have that as well. Bring your iPad out to the pool. A little nice Wi-Fi out there. Um, your <clears throat> the Outer Rim Bar over at the Contemporary. Um, the pool over at Coronado Springs. So if you need to go out and do work, or in my case, <clears throat> research, you can bring your laptop out to Storm Along Bay. Get some rays, get a pina colada, and get online as well. And, you know, and not having it in the room is not a big deal because you shouldn't be in your room anyway when you're in Walt Disney World, <laughs> <That's> right? right. <laughs> Listen, a shower and a pillow. I, I'm in my room for like 15 minutes a day. So there you go. That's it. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Suzanne from my old stomping ground sort of of Wayne, New Jersey, says, hey, Lou and Becky. First <laughs> off, just want to say I've been listening to the show since March of this year when I discovered it on iTunes. Since then, I've gone back to listen to many old episodes. The interview with Richard Sherman was amazing. By the way, she says, I am a huge Disney fan. And the amazing is that's exactly how she wrote it. I commute into New York (laughs) City for my internship every day. Listening to episodes of your show makes my mornings so much brighter. Thank you. That means a lot. I visited Walt Disney World 12 times, with the last time being this past March. In May of 2011, I'll be graduating college and my family and I are thinking of possibly, maybe, hopefully, making a trip down there to celebrate the occasion at the end of the month. On past trips, we've stayed mostly at the Contemporary or the Boardwalk. 
I've also stayed at Pop Century, but on a trip with friends. My parents prefer to stay at resorts within walking distance of any of the parks or at least resorts with transportation other than busing in order to maximize the time in the parks and to make it easier to make quick trips back to the room if we need anything Holy cow, run on sentence. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> for this potential trip, I, I'm out of breath. For this potential trip, there'd most likely be six people in our party with my mom, dad, brother, grandparents, and myself. My question is this. We'd like to try and stay at one of the deluxe resorts in close proximity to either Epcot or Magic Kingdom. Do you know if it would be a better deal to book two standard rooms and try and get a villa at one of the resorts that offers them? thinking Beach Club, Boardwalk, or Bay Lake Tower. If we were to get a villa, what size do you think we would need? Keep this in mind, Becky. This is math. There's six people coming. Uh, Also, on almost every past trip, we've taken advantage of the special offers that Disney releases. Buy four, get three, 40% off room rates, etc. Do you know how far in advance they typically release these offers, or if they even usually offer them mid to late May when I'd like to go? I'd be afraid to wait a while to book the trip and then see that they have not released any offers. Also, do you know of any other places we can go to get discounted rates or AAA members? Do they have access to special rates? Sorry these questions are so long, but from listening to past shows, I know that you and Becky are masters at figuring out these difficult SAT questions. (laughs) Thanks, and keep up the amazing show, Suzanne. Becky, you got a lot there. Go. Oh, well, my head hurts, but that's okay because we deal with this pretty much on an everyday basis. It's it's interesting. May, I'll tell you right out of the gate that rates for May, they're, they are running a 40% off offer right now and kids stay play free, uh, which is running April for travel dates April through June and then again from August to October. Um, So that offer that you're looking for is already out there. I'm going to spin back for a second really quickly and tell you that for those of you who aren't traveling in May and still have that same question or concern about booking something and then rolling out an offer later, uh, with many of the, the Disney specialty agencies you will, including ours, Shameless plug. Um, you will find that people, if you book it, you've got it. And if a rate comes out that's lower, a discount comes out, we'll apply it. So you're essentially price protected if Disney will allow us to do that. So let's go and back and look at their comparison. She's looking at either doing two rooms, two standard rooms, or looking at a villa. For comfort's sake, and sometimes depending on the time of year, depending on the rate you can get, you can actually get a very comfortable villa either a one-bedroom or even a two-bedroom for just slightly more than you can get for two standard rooms, depending on what you're looking at in terms of view or location. So let's not talk about price for the moment. Let's look at for comfort. If you go for, you have six people, if you go for one of the two-bedroom villas at any of those resorts, yeah, you were talking about Bay Lake Tower, Boardwalk Villas, or Beach Club, um, it's going to be the best for to accommodate six people and still allow a little bit of privacy for everybody. In the two-bedroom villas, you usually get a king bed in one and then a queen bed and a double sleeper in, sleeper in the second room. And then in the living room, you also have a pull-out uh, sleeper sofa as well, double in there. So everyone's kind of got their own space and it's 
you know, you can move around and not feel like you're on top of each other, which is kind of nice. Plus, in the villas, you also get those cost savings amenities that people don't really think about right up front. But you do have a kitchen available to you and you also have access to a washer and dryer, which a lot of people, as we're seeing these baggage fees go up and up and up, having access to that washer and dryer can certainly make a difference as well, especially when you're talking about six people and all the bags that they could be carrying as well. Yeah, and, and I like the villas, especially for a oh, trip yeah. like this. And we're going to assume, for argument's sake, that you, your mom and dad and grandparents and your brother all get along and actually like each other. Um, it is, it's is—it's a lot of fun because, again, and remember, Suzanne, mom and dad are going to get one bedroom. Grandma, mm-hmm. grandpa are probably going to get the other bedroom. You and your brother are going to be uh, in the living room on the pullout. But everybody does have their own space. You also have the, sort of that central gathering area that if you want to get together at the end of the night and watch TV or, or have a snack or whatever it is, um, it's nice to have that space right in the middle as well. And that's one of the big advantages and one of the things that I like right. about the villas as opposed to the two rooms maybe with the pass through in between. Right. And the thing I will say, too, about the two standard rooms, Disney does their best to accommodate requests of being connecting or being near each other. It's not guaranteed. So if your family really wants to be together and spend those evenings watching TV together or having easy access um, to to meet up, that villa is a good benefit for that as well. Otherwise, you might end up with one room on floor two and another room up on you know the, the fourth floor or something. So that's a benefit of being together. Yeah, and, and you know, not to you know make make Becky's point for uh, whether you use mouse fan travel or anybody else, but you should use mouse fan travel. And this is the advantage of using an agency as well; they can get all those prices for you. And like you said, if you don't have to worry about a discount coming out later on, and you having to sort of keep on top of it and try and getting it applied. What about things like AAA? Generally, Becky, um, there are sometimes AAA discounts that may be different than say, a pass holder discount or a Florida resident discount? As a matter of fact, there are several discounts that are available to you. And and AAA does have some uh, room rates that they offer discounts on. So do, like you said, um, annual pass holders or, again, many times these special rates like the 40% off or some of the other rates that we can find from Disney Travel Company actually are better than many of the rates that you can get from the other discounts. So it really is a benefit, as you said, to... um, to have somebody look and compare all of the different offers, all of the different rates for you, all the different scenarios. So you can see the difference between two standard rooms and a villa and at the different rates. Great. And how would they find MEI? Uh, just visit mousefantravel.com. And Thank you. Tell them, tell them Lou <laughs> sent you. So, Becky, it only took nine questions before Audrey said, Lou, I apologize for bringing up the subject of food. Yay, finally. But I was wondering, <laughs> this is an interesting question, and I've received this many times. Audrey's is just sort of the representative. You're representing all the people who've asked what we think about LaCellier's change from one credit to two credits on the Disney dining plan. Do you think Disney can justify LaCellier being a two credit when it's among restaurants like Artist Point, Gico, and California Grill? I'd say it, I'd take a strip steak from Le Cellier over a lobster tail from Narcoosie's when it costs the same amount. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work, Audrey. So obviously, uh, for those who are familiar with the Disney dining plan, uh, table service uh, restaurants usually are one table service credit. There are some signature restaurants, like she mentioned, Artist Point over at Wilderness Lodge, Gico at Animal Kingdom Lodge, and California Grill, oh, I heart thee, over at Disney's Contemporary <laughs> Resort. That are two 
credits uh, because of the type of experience that it provides. LaCellier being, it looks like the only restaurant inside a theme park that's in that list that you mentioned is now two credit and sort of what our opinions are about it going from one to two on the Disney dining plan. Becky, uh, I'll let ladies first. Well, first of all, Andrew should never apologize for food questions. Neither should Audrey, but go ahead. Yeah, I know, but it actually says Andrew. <laughs> oh, I have Andrew. Well, you know, we're both wrong, so it's Andrey. It's, it's, it's a, com- it's, it's, you know what, and- it's a combination Andrew of Andrew y. and Audrey. So there we go. <laughs> All right, so he or she should never apologize for food questions. That's, that's the first thing I want to say. But the, the change, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the change from one to two credits is happening in March, right? I believe so. And I think that they've done this because, of course, supply and demand tends to run uh, or rule everything around us. But I think whether it's going to be worth it or not is going to depend on the menu changes themselves if we are if we see any. Um, I know that or from what I've been told, I should say, two credits is going for dinner, not for lunch. So lunch will be harder to get <laughs> because it's still going to be one credit. And the lunch menu is really good. I, I totally love La Cellier for lunch. It's hard and, to get that, in, though. And that's actually you know, a great tip, too. If you're concerned but you still want to have the La Cellier experience, and this is really true for a lot of restaurants, when the lunch and dinner menus are somewhat similar, go for, a very, go for the latest lunch ADR you can get. Right. Have it, make that an early dinner, and you'll have um, the less expensive but often similar menu. And look, you're right. It is about supply and demand because La Cellier is, you know, it's a big ticket item. It's one of the ones that... It's the most difficult to get as far as dining reservations are concerned. Cinderella's Royal Table being up mm-hmm. there as well as far as in-park dining experiences. And for many people, Becky, this is their restaurant of choice, whether it's for the legendary New York Strip. the uh, I know a lot of people love the the filet, the salmon, the pork, the, the veal T-bone. And look, when you're talking about a restaurant where prices are for dinner in the theme parks, $35, $37 for an entree, you can sort of make the argument, if you, if you need to, that yes, maybe it should be a two-dining credit establishment. But I think because it is such a hard ticket to get, this will maybe scale back some of people's demand for it because now they have to think a little bit harder. Do they want to use two credits for this meal as opposed to going somewhere else for a similar experience and, and having one only dining credit used? Right. And for me, as long as they keep the pretzel bread, the the chocolate mousse and the ice wine, I think I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> but but honestly, I, I, I'm hoping that if they do bump up to the two credits, it's, it's not just because it's so high in demand. I, I, I am hoping to see maybe a, a little bit of change in that dinner menu as well. And it's going to be very interesting to see and time and people and guest response is going to tell what the response is really going to be for right. The advanced dining reservations. I have not looked, for example, into March to try and make a dining. You know what we should do, Becky? You should take me there for dinner and we should see how crowded it is in March. Hey, that's that's a good idea. All right, fine. I'm writing it down. And I'll listen, get to I'm it a cheap done. date here because I'm the same way. I'll have <laughs> cheddar cheese soup, pretzel oh, bread, a couple other appetizers. I'm good. I'm good. Chocolate, chocolate mousse. Have you, you ever had one of those cute little chocolate mousse I have with the wild mushroom risotto. Oh, you know, no, 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 the no. Un- oh my God, I'm hungry right, again. See, wait a minute. But, but with the, with the filet, cause you were talking about the filet before, but they have these mashed potatoes under the filet and the Yum. herb butter, the herb Just, butter with the mushrooms. But again, 
a little a ice wine and a chocolate mousse, and we're good to go. Put a side of pretzel bread, and it's dinner. Listen, Let's go. And, but, and listen, I know a lot of people say, and this is a, a separate conversation and a separate research trip, that Le Cellier is the best steak on property. Mm. I don't know. I would throw down Yachtsman, Shula's, and dare I say Flying Fish as some of the... Blue Zoo, my friend. Blue Zoo. You've been there. See, you don't I was think, just going to say. You don't think I, I, play, right? I'm thinking that the Blue Zoo has it over this. But I, you know what? I, I've had a really, really good filet at, um, at Le Cellier. I still think California Grill was better. Oh, nice. But... You know, it, it's been a while since I've been there because it's been hard to get into La Cellier for dinner. So maybe we try to do that on our next trip and see I'm what we come back with. I'm tasking you with making us a, a reservation for two for a nice, quick, right. casual six-hour meal. Why do I always walk away from these with a to-do list? That's all I want to know. Listen, all right, you and I, I we are gonna we are going to enjoy Tortuga Tavern on me. I promise. <laughs> you better move on before you get yourself in trouble. The Carroll family says, Dear Lou, and hopefully Becky, hey, God, you got to stop paying these I people. I like to... these guys. They are I, considering you know, a vacation for summer awesome 2011. Concerns. Consider no more. Go ahead and take it, Carroll family. We have a group consisting of, get your abacus out, oh, no. a four-year-old crazed with Disney princesses, <laughs> a two-year-old boy, a mom that doesn't get into the Disney idea, Egads, a Disney nut dad, a soon-to-be priest with a love of nature, a grandma that loves over-the-top things, a laid-back grandpa, a thrill-seeking teenage boy, another Disney-crazed dad, I'm not done yet, a relaxation-based mom, <laughs> and the travel-planning tween daughter, uh, two plus a carrot, pie, I'm counting 11, 11, 11, 11. Yep. They would enjoy staying in a <laughs> villa together, but they're considering a hotel. Where would you recommend that we stay? Keep in mind 11. Also, what other experiences do you suggest we try? Thanks for helping out. Love the show. Dad and I are looking forward to listening to show together every week. I'm assuming that the uh, mom that doesn't get into Disney, probably not a fan. But that's okay, Carol family, because we are going to try and help you. So again, it's a similar question, Becky, but right. on a whole different scale because now you've got eleven very, very diverse people in this group. Well, I got to say they've picked the perfect vacation destination to go to because <laughs> there is it's something like the Big for Brother every, house in there. Yeah, <laughs> there is something for every one of these people that there is going to make the perfect vacation for them. Even the mom who doesn't get the Disney idea, there's the spa. Just saying, but of course. Math, doing the math, I think you are right. It is 11, right? Just to make sure. I have 11. Okay. With that many people, yes, a villa is a great way to go. You didn't mention anything about budget or didn't kind of steer us that direction. So there are all kinds of villa options that are available. And, and again, with that many people, with the food savings, the washer and dryer, having access to the um, to the kitchen to make things in the daytime, um Lots and lots of benefits to accommodate a very large family. There are several to choose from. There are some unique options, which a lot of people don't think about, like the treehouse villas a lot. And those are perfect for larger families because they're kind of closer together and there's a lot of space in those, especially with the younger kids where they've got the, uh, the room with the bunk beds. And um, it, it's a little unique and, and it's you know, kind of diverse there. And we've got the priest with a love of nature. Yeah, no, it's exactly. Nice, you've got exactly. thrills. You've got relaxation. Mom doesn't feel like she's in Disney, which right? you totally get that experience there. 
I like that's that. Very true. That's that's an option. There is a downside to the treehouse villas, obviously, is it's not that easy to access. Uh, well, if if you're driving, it's a good it's a good scenario because you have your car there. They do have buses that come through, obviously, because all of the Disney resorts have transportation. But um, it, it's kind of kind of back out a ways, uh, almost like the uh, the Animal Kingdom villas, the lodge villas that are or Kanani. There we go. I knew the word was there somewhere <laughs> <laughs> that aren't exactly right on the monorail line or, or within walking distance of, um, of the parks like you'll get with uh, the, the beach club villas or, or the boardwalk villas as well. So there's a lot of different theming, a lot of different locations, a lot of different options for the villas. But with that many people, I would really stick with your villa choice. I think you're going down the right path. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think I really like the idea uh, of the treehouse villas because of the kind of experience that it affords everybody. There's a lot of room in there as well. Kids can go out and play. Mom doesn't feel like she's in Disney World. Uh, the Disney nuts are in Disney World, and it definitely has a sort of Disney feel to it. Um, you know, and, and so mom could relax. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, there's something there for everybody. As far great. as experiences that for for them to try, you know, and this is not this is not being said in a joking way, but I do believe that that families and communities and friends we come together around the table, and that is where some of our greatest memories are shared. And mom might not want to go and ride Space Mountain with, you know, grandma and the thrill-seeking teen boy. Somebody else might not have not, might not want to wander through World Showcase or, you know, go to Disney's Animal Kingdom. But we all need to eat. And finding a place, I think, that would appeal to everybody uh, and offer sort of a unique experience. And I'm trying to think of places that might just be fun, might, might, might kind of bring mom out of her shell a little bit. One of the first things that came to mind, Becky, was Whispering Canyon. I don't okay. know why. I think sort of just sort of that... Uh, sort of old style country gathering around a table screaming for ketchup and pony rides is something fun. It's a little loud in there, but uh, I have a feeling that this family is probably one that enjoys a lot of fun. But I, I, I was centered immediately surprise, surprise around some Food. dining options for them. Cause that's yeah. something that's going to appeal. I think to everybody. Yeah, you're you're very correct there. And there's all kinds of different diverse options that will fit everybody in this this group. One thing that I like, though, when I see these families that travel together, when there's so many of them, like you said, there might be some people who are focused on the thrill rides and others who are focused on maybe playing golf that day and someone else who wants to see characters. You can split up during the day and like-minded people within the group can go have fun and then come back together over the dinner table and talk about their experiences. So there's, there's just a lot of opportunity for this family to, to experience um, some different things and then come back together and talk about it and maybe twist the arm of that mom that doesn't exactly get Disney and, and convert her. <laughs> and, you know, if mom is thinking that Disney is all Cinderella and Mickey Mouse and Toontown and, and, and attractions – there's a way to let her see that there is much more to the experience beyond that. There's a lot more for adults to do. So beyond something like a whispering canyon, I thought about what about having a nice meal in the boardwalk area somewhere you go Mm -hmm. over to anywhere from yachtsman steakhouse to, uh, you know, someplace else, maybe at the yacht or, or beach club or one of the restaurants over at the swan or dolphin 
Again, places like Il Molino, I keep going back to Blue Zoo because now I'm starving. Uh, <laughs> you can also then from there, you can wander the boardwalk. I think if they want to do something to sort of plus their experience a little bit, what about renting like a pontoon boat from the Yacht and Beach Club Marina and doing an illuminations cruise? Nice. It's something for everybody. You can experience the fireworks without sort of the crowds and the hassle and the theme park experience of going into Epcot. And again, it's something that I think will be one of those memorable experiences that they can all take away. Yeah, and there's a lot of different experiences like that as well. There's um, uh, the, the same type of thing for the, the Wishes viewing. There's, of course, if you want to see fireworks and you're in the park, they do have the, the Wishes dessert parties are still going to on as well. So you can kind of gather together and, and enjoy a wonderful fireworks show together too. So there's, there's just a lot of different options. Yeah, and Carol family, please let us know how that trip works out and what you ended up deciding to do. And I want to know about maybe the people who weren't big Disney fans, how they felt after uh, after that trip. Becky, one final question for uh, for this week's show, because again, we are running long, although we have so many more in the inbox to answer. This comes from Ed. He said, Lou, on my last trip to Disney World, I took the boat to Fort Wilderness, which I love doing. On my way over, I saw what appeared to be an entire deserted resort and island complex just before Fort Wilderness. Do you know anything about this? Thanks, Ed. So, Ed, you are uh, you are passing and obviously noticing a place that has a long and storied history and importance, actually, in the formation of Disney World. And Becky's going to explain it all to you. I kid you. I, so wow. Good. I was going to say, excuse me. I'm going to go grab something to drink. I'll be right back. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting to, to be schooled. Go. There, um, and I actually have done an entire show on this. Go back to show number 94. That was from November 23rd of 2008. You are talking about Treasure Island, a.k.a. Discovery Island, a.k.a. Riles Island, a.k.a. Blackbeard's Island. Wow. And the list goes on and on and on. Real quick, and I'm going to link uh, in the show notes this week over at WDWRadio.com. Click on this week's show. I'll put a link to an article that I wrote about this island. Uh, it was in its last phase known as Discovery Island. Uh, in the past, it had been Blackbeard's Island and Treasure Island. It really was, according to legend or story, that as Walt was flying over the land that he was interested in purchasing here in the desolate swamps of Central Florida, he found... This 11 and a half acre island in the middle of Bay Lake. And he said, yeah, this is it. This is where we're going to build Walt Disney World. Uh, it was going back into the early 1900s known as Raz Island. And, and eventually Disney purchased the property. It was going to be themed to a pirate island going to be called Blackbeard's Island. Eventually they threw that away. They called it Treasure Island. Well, the Blackbeard Island name kind of made it somewhere else into Seven Seas Lagoon. And it was a place that uh, guests could go over to and have pirate-themed adventures and sort of take elements from the Disney film. And there was Ben Gunn's Fort and the Benbow Inn, things like that. Later, uh, late mid-70s, they added a lot of tropical birds to the island. It reopened as Treasure Island in April of 74. You actually had to buy this uh, separate adventure ticket to do this little Walt Disney World cruise. We talked about the Moonlight Cruise before. This was the Walt Disney World cruise. And it really, Becky, was meant to be a half-day sort of outside-the-park experience. Uh, it didn't sort of 
pan out that way, I think either because of lack of knowledge or where it was or people just didn't want to leave the excitement of what was going on over in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, Later in 1978, they got rid of the pirate theme. They later called it Discovery Island and really focused on the botanical settings and the wildlife. And Becky, there were everything there. And they were all probably scare you, but flamingos and pelicans <laughs> and eagles and alligators and no dinosaurs. Peacocks, no yeah. dinosaurs. Okay, good. Then we're good. Um, all right. But there was this giant aviary and a flamingo pool, and there was a snack bar there, and there was a Jose Carioca Flyers bird show there. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. There even was sort of a scavenger hunt that you could have taken on there as well. Uh, Disney, as they always have d- done very uh, conservation and environmentally um, aware that was actually accredited as a zoological park in 1981. Uh, Eventually, uh, there were some issues as far as some handling of wild birds, some accidental destruction of nests and things like that. And once Animal Kingdom opened in 1998, it sort of sounded the death knell to um, to Discovery Island. Between that opening up and that sort of being the place to go and see animals um, and lots of different types of foliage and birds and things like that, 25 years after it opened, Discovery Island closes in 1999. For years after, Becky, there were lots of rumors at was what was going to happen right. to this abandoned island. Those rumors reared their heads every year. Um, years ago... I know you're a big video gamer. There was a very popular uh, interactive sort of role-playing game called Mist that right. was rumored to be, they were going to retheme it Mist Island. Uh, later, and, and this could potentially still happen, it could be an interesting idea, making it sort of a private honeymoon retreat, uh, building a limited number of sort of beachside cabanas on there. Uh, when Lost was out, it was like, oh, it's going to be the Lost Island, and there's going to be cool <laughs> Lost experiences there. As of right now, it is very overgrown. Um, It was damaged extensively due to the many hurricanes. And because of the number of different types of birds and animals that have taken up residence there, it would be pretty hard to sort of send them over an eviction notice and say, we're building, you know, Becky Mankin Island. So (laughs) it's going to be interesting to see what, if anything, is going to happen if you want to get a better look. You can, of course, go on things like Google Earth and look down, um, like you said, Ed, on your trip from Wilderness Lodge by boat. You can see it. If you rent watercraft from the Contemporary, you can get a a good look as well. But don't try and get onto the island. You are not allowed on there as well. Uh, It will be very interesting to see, again, what rumors continue to swirl and what, if anything, Becky Disney does with the island in the future. Right. And I do remember hearing about Discovery Island. Of course, that was about the time that I started traveling there. But uh, always kind of wondered, and, and like you, hear the rumors every year about something new and exciting that's coming to that, that location. But, you know, at this point, like you said, with all the all the wildlife that's there, it, it'd be kind of nice just to keep it as is. But you never know. It's a prime piece of real estate and something may happen with it eventually. I like the mist thing, though. Always in a constant state of change, so you never know. But it would be interesting to hear listeners' suggestions, and we're going to end this segment with a question for the listeners, asking them what they think Disney should do (laughs) with Riles slash Blackbeard slash Treasure slash Discovery Island. What would your idea be? What would you like to see, and what kind of experience 
would you be willing to leave the parks or leave the resorts for to go and see out there? Uh, especially if it. it's maybe a paid experience as well, too. Yeah. You can look in this week's show notes. Visit www.radio.com. Click on this week's show, show number 209. There you can leave comments. Uh, again, it would be very interesting to see what listeners would like to see or what imagine uh, be an Imagineer for a day and imagine what it. you can put there. So, how about how about WDW Radio Survivor? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who gets voted off next? That would be a very interesting. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> few weeks I on the help, island. <laughs> could not help myself. I just had to go there. Go ahead. Move anyway, on. let us uh, <laughs> let me thank again. Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider. They are also great friends. And of course, as you can see, uh, Becky and her team know what they're doing, whether you're going to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Adventures by Disney, Disney Cruise Line, um, any of the Disney parks, or any vacation for the most part. Again, you can visit them at mousefantravel.com. Becky, I appreciate your time. Once again, I look forward to dining with you in Walt Disney World soon. Yeah, uh, yep, and Aqueduct, Lou, we'll see you on the Aqueduct. No carb, no carbs between now and the Aqueduct for me. <laughs> Wasn't it supposed to be just the water diet for the last week? I need, a, I need to wear a moo <laughs> on deck. <laughs> I'm not sure if they allow moo-moos on the Aqueduct. I'm not, uh, you know, wasn't there a sign? I need a bigger belt over here, please. Water wings? Did you get? Did you pack your water wings? That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Thanks also to Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel and to everybody who submitted a question via email. If you submitted a question, I promise I will either answer it to you directly or answer it on the show. If you have a question you want answered on the show, remember, you can email me anytime at lou at wdwradio.com. If you want to be heard on the air, you can also leave a voicemail toll-free 888 888- 703-2171 If you are coming on the WDW Radio Cruise in just two weeks, I posted big updates over at www.radiocruise.com Click on the link there for the updates page. I've posted a new itinerary, more details some other frequently asked questions scans of all the navigators from the maiden voyage to give you an idea of just some of the other events that are going on that Disney has planned links to some forum discussions, and lots more. Hope you started working on your flag, started thinking about your door decorating contest entries, and don't forget to order your cruise shirts coming down to the wire over at cafepress.com slash Cruise. Don't forget also to come by and visit the site over at wdwradio.com. There, in addition to all the past episodes of the podcast, you'll find the latest videos, including a bunch of videos I just posted from the Disney Dream. You'll find blog posts, forums where you can talk with other fans in a fun, friendly, safe environment. Sign up for the newsletter, get a blog posts, photo galleries. Find out all the ways you can connect with me and the show through Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And also shop at the WDW Radio Store. There you can get signed copies of my Walt Disney World trivia books. You can also get the audio guides to Walt Disney World. 
on download or on CD. If you buy all five on CD, I have a special offer going on right now, just $34.95 for the five-disc set. In addition to the show and the videos, don't forget to join me every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for the WDW Newscast. That's a live, interactive news show covering Walt Disney World where you can be part of the video broadcast and the discussion and talk about the news real-time in the chat room. I'll be broadcasting video. You guys can come in, ask and answer questions about the news that's being discussed that week. If you can't make it to the show live, don't forget that you can come by, subscribe, watch, and comment over on the YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Radio, And I'll also post the audio-only portion of that feed in the iTunes feed as well. Be sure you come by, subscribe to the podcast over in iTunes. Don't forget to, if you're going to be in Walt Disney World over the next few weeks, hopefully you can join us for one of our meets of the month. It's a casual gathering of WW Radio friends and listeners in Walt Disney World. February's meet is going to be Saturday, February 26th at 9.30 a.m. It's the day before we depart on the Disney Dream. That's going to be over on the Boardwalk Bakery. Thought we would do it about 9.30. Have a little breakfast on the boardwalk. Don't forget, no theme park admission is required. So if you don't have a, a ticket to the parks, you can come by. Anyone and everyone is certainly welcome to attend. No need to RSVP, but if you want, please come by. You can RSVP over on the Facebook event page. I'll put a link to that in the show notes this week and also over at DisneyMeets.com where you can find out about all the other upcoming events, including Meet to the Month, Destination D, the D23 Expo, lots of things we're working on for later on this year. March's Meet of the Month is going to be right after we return from the Dream Cruise. That's going to be Saturday, March 5th. That's going to take place from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at Disney's Animal Kingdom. We are going to meet over at the Yak and Yeti at the outdoor, the quick service seating area around the back of the building near the entrance to Cali River Rapids. We'll get together. You can come join us, have some lunch if you like, and then we'll head on over and ride Expedition Everest and wish the Yeti and Expedition Everest a very happy fifth birthday as it's celebrating its five years later on that day. Again, no need to RSVP, but links to that as well and all the Disney events over at DisneyMeets.com. Quick thanks also to my partners and sponsors. You heard me thank Becky from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel before. Don't forget, too, to also check out the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin, located right in the heart of Walt Disney World. You've heard me rave about not just Blue Zoo and Il Molino, but I love the Heavenly Beds, which I think are the most comfortable beds in Walt Disney World. Lots more advantages as well. Check them out over at swananddolphin.com. As always, my friends, if you like the show, and I hope that you do, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening to the show. Share the link on Facebook. Please come by. Review the show over in iTunes as well as the free WDW Radio iPhone app. As always, there's lots more that I'm working on, but I have to say thank you to all of you, your support and your emails and the friendship. And I'm so looking forward to meeting many of you at the Meets of the Month and on the Disney Dream. You guys inspire me to keep doing what I'm doing each and every day and continue to make me be excited about sharing my passion with you. I hope that in return, you take the first step towards following your dreams and pursuing your passion. And when you do, always keep moving forward. So until next time, I hope that you have a great week, everybody. Thanks again for listening. See ya.
Hi, Lou. It's Darlene from Buffalo, New York. Also, Zussi Wu on the boards and a Deck 7 Cool Kids number. I am totally psyched. We are two weeks out. I will be on the Disney Dream at this time, hopefully maybe finishing my lunch. I will be so excited to see everybody at the meets of the month and the cruise and playing in the park, my happy place on earth. I hope everybody has a magical weekend and a magical next two weeks getting ready for our cruise. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is John from New York. I know a listener uh, emailed and asked about car seats with the cabs. And I called the uh, cab company owned by uh, Disney, which I've used, or, or partnering with Disney. And they can request a car seat. Uh, and They will get you one. You might have to wait, but they will get you one. And uh, they said a lot of times in the stands at the Disney parks, they'll actually have some. So uh, they can call ahead. I think it's the number is 407-699-9999. Thanks. Hi, Lou. It's WW Donna uh, from Ontario, Canada, and I just listened to your most recent podcast about uh, you and Jim talking about the Wilderness Lodge. Um, absolutely wonderful. I love how I can just picture being in the lodge and hearing that exactly what you are talking about. Um, and please tell Jim I got his asked for and received his book for Christmas. Absolutely loved it. Just posted a review on Amazon for it um, under the customer reviews. And please keep up the good work. And one suggestion, I absolutely love Yacht and Beach Club. I'm wondering if maybe one day you could do uh, you and Jim sitting in the lobby of the Yacht and Beach Club and telling uh, what is going on in that place there. Anyway, thank you so much, Lou. Bye. Hey, Lou. This is David from Memphis, Tennessee. I just had to call and tell you how much I enjoyed show 208 and uh, your interview with Jim Crocus about the uh, Wilderness Lodge. Uh, my family loves the Wilderness Lodge. In fact, we're, we'll be going back in uh, March, and it'll be our fifth time staying there. We, we just can't imagine staying anywhere else now. Uh, i got to tell you, the, the first time I walked in that lobby, my jaw absolutely hit the floor. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, and it's just something so magical about coming back to the lodge at the end of a long day after being at the parks and they have the flickering lamps and the fireplace going. and it's, um, It really is a, a great experience. And uh, Anyway, I, I really enjoyed the content of your show, and I just wanted to call and, and let you know. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. You got 